0: Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we have Associate Head Coach, at the University of Tennessee. She is entering her tenth year as a coach for the Tennessee Swimming and Diving Program. Today we are sitting down with Ashley John. How's it going? <laughs> it's going very well,
1: thanks. Good morning.
0: I'm excited to sit down and talk with you. The uh, Vols are are hot off a uh, a high finish at the Tennessee Invite. Uh, you guys have hosted that invite now for quite a while. What what makes it so great for Tennessee to ho- have the ability and to also just make the decision to host their own home midseason invite?
1: We're we're so blessed at Tennessee to have. I think not only a great facility where we can host a meet like an invite or some of the other meets that we're that we able to host, but also an athletic administration that you know supports competing at the highest level. And they were they were incredibly supportive of us planning this invite and inviting a lot of other great programs to come in for it, uh, even though it was going to be a football weekend as well. Um, and we're and that's a hard thing to do. Um, I know that you keep up with college sports kind of at all levels and for all sports, and it uh, it can be a challenge to host a, a big invitational swimming meet on a college campus when there's also a football game um, or some other big event happening. But I think it's a testament to the athletic department and you know just all the hardworking people within the department to basically say, yeah, like we, we recognize it's really important for our swimming and diving program to be able to do that. And for the other teams that are going to come in and compete there and also um, running the other events that are happening on campus. So it, it, we're just very blessed.
0: What what was that like on the, on the Saturday? Was it a little <laughs> congested in campus or, or do you feel like things went pretty smoothly?
1: <laughs> it, it went really smoothly. And the, The other teams that came in, um, we just had a conversation. We started a little bit earlier on Saturday and we'd been waiting. Uh, I think think they made the decision on the football start time two weeks before we were supposed to start the invite and it was an evening start. So that actually really helped and allowed, it it wasn't super congested. So it worked out really well. Nice,
0: that's great. Uh Okay, so yeah, again, these are just details that is certainly I don't see when I'm reading our recaps of the invites, um, but always makes it a little more interesting, gives it some context. So from your perspective, how did the invite go for the Vols?
1: I think it was great. Um, It was really competitive. We love, you know, we love having high level competition come in and, you know, especially when it's, especially when it there are athletes that we're going to see later on in the season, either at secs or NCAAs. And it's exciting to have that level of competition in the fall. I think the invite went really well, both on the diving side and on the swimming side. And so we're, we're excited for what the rest of the season has in store.
0: Um, I have to ask about a, a specific freshman at Ellen Walsh. She made some noise um, the, her last name also scares me because it has that E on the end. So I'm not, sure. I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing <laughs> it in my head. Right. But, um, you know, you, Tennessee has had a lot of, uh, non-American athletes come in and it seems like you've really gotten a rhythm of developing them and, and having them post some really high level yards times, especially Right when they come in, specifically like last season, you had Mona McSherry come in from Ireland, and right off the bat, she was already a very elite breaststroker. But you know, you guys, you guys got her to produce some really high-level yards time. So um, for a freshman like Ellen, she's been with you all for a couple months. Um, she's obviously had some international experience, but what were you expecting from her at this meet, um, especially with that 100 fly 400 IM double? <laughs>
1: I think we all knew that, that she was going to swim really fast. She, she's awesome. Um, Just the things that she loves to compete. She has had a lot of success, but I think she also just really loves getting better at things and that's, you know, that fits really well with how we like to coach and she's curious. She yards is obviously new for her since we're, you know, the only country that really swims yards. Um, So it seems like a really short pool for her. But Mm -hmm. I think it matches really well with a lot of her skills. And we figured she was gonna swim pretty fast. And she did. So and I think she had a lot of fun doing it. She's, she's a lot of fun to have in training. Um, And I think her teammates really enjoy training with her. So kind of a, it's a really uh, good match all around.
0: Do, do you all have any tips, tricks, whatever's that you use for incoming uh, freshmen or or incoming foreign athletes who haven't ever really swam in yards too much to help them make that adjustment at all?
1: Ooh, that magic Tennessee pixie dust. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I think... It, I think they're like each individual athlete's like level of curiosity and desire to get better in the sport is ultimately kind of what spurs them, spurs them in that direction. And then I think managing the pieces, obviously those walls are coming up a little bit quicker and um, the benefit sometimes of being underwater um, versus swimming on top of the water, just using the the different skills and and tools that the athletes want to get better at, I think we just kind of take each athlete as an individual and and work with them on like work with them really on the areas that they want to be better at. I think a lot of them all really love long course, um, and but I think they find that there's some really cool skill development that can happen in the in the shorter, short course the art school, so.
0: Okay, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> that adds up. Uh, <laughs> so Tennessee, it seems like Tennessee has been quite a transfer destination for the last couple of years. And uh, do, do you all have any fifth years, like COVID fifth years this year? We do, we have quite a few.
1: Um, we have five on our women's side. Okay. um and we have one on our men's side and that's that's been great i think it's been incredibly helpful on it, it's been in, excuse me incredibly helpful for we have a really large freshman women's class and yeah so, I'm, I'm
0: curious so how big is the women's team this year <laughs> over
1: 40. <laughs> so, okay. okay summers and dollars easily the biggest team we've had um in a while. And but the nice part about having the fifth year is we have a a smaller true senior class. And so I think it's just really helped from a leadership perspective um, with such a large freshman class. But that freshman class, our our women's freshman class has come in with a lot of experience. um, And that's been helpful. Our our male fifth year, um, he's competing internationally right now. And I think he's he's really helped helped our our senior men as well, kind of guide. It's a smaller men's freshman class. We kind of flip flop. The men had a really big freshman class last year, um, but I think it's been helpful that that fifth year of experience is is kind of awesome. So a lot of them have started grad school, so that adds you know a different level of kind of their outside life. Um, some of them have you know, more responsibilities outside the pool, but they've, they entered into this year with like wanting to swim. And I I think every athlete wants to swim, but I think when you make the decision to stay for an extra year, you're, you're really making it for even different reasons than, than you've probably made it your first four years. And so there's a different level of, I think, gratitude and a different level of wanting to pass on the things that they've learned and wanting to guide the team in a different way. And I think our our men and women have done that really well.
0: That's, that's really interesting that you say that we, uh, unrelated to this conversation, aside from this point, you know, uh, last week, I think we saw a senior from Stanford, Zoe Bartel announce her retirement, you know, mid season. Um, and me and some of our other, uh, swim, swim people were talking about how that kind of opened the, the door for the conversation of how much do you really love swimming and, and how does that change over time? Um, especially if you're someone who's really good at it naturally or at a young age. Um, and so I think it's, I, I love that you said that fifth year, your, your motivations or your reasons for being there might even be a lot different than those first four years. Um, so how, how have you seen that manifest in terms of their leadership especially compared to the seniors um, or, or not even their leadership, but their role on the team um, in terms of how 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 they lead versus maybe how those uh, natural natural seniors might lead
1: I you know I, I don't see it wasn't like a light switch where you know it, it really changed so much, but I think just I, I think really just, how excited and joyful they are for the year, um, I I think gives, it just makes practices a lot of fun. And I think that attitude becomes contagious for all the people that they're around. And, you know, I mean, it's, if you're training with somebody that's got a lot of joy at practice, it's kind of hard to be grumpy, right? And so (laughs) I, I think that's nice. Like they, and And in some cases it leads to some really fun conversations with the coaching staff because it like, you know, at this particular point, those fifth years, like this is their last year of collegiate swimming. You know, some of them are looking forward to either the, their, their kind of next step in their professional career. And, you know, some may, may hope to join up with one of the ISL teams later on. And it's just, it's a little bit different. And I think there's just, I mean, the the best that I can boil it down to is just that there's a lot of gratitude. And I think that becomes a really powerful leadership quality without them really having to speak more or do anything different.
0: Uh, I've I've been on your pool deck before. Um, I think I've, I've been to Tennessee a couple times and gotten to film you guys' practices. And um, I, I've been on pool decks where I, it feels like the energy on the deck kind of starts with the coaches They're, The coaches are very like high energy and really getting the athletes going. And for Tennessee, it seems more of more of like you give the athletes the room to, to be energetic or to have that joy that you were saying. Um, and then, it, and then it really manifests itself through the athletes. D- is that, am I reading the room totally wrong there? Or is that more of a conscious decision that you as coaches make?
1: I, I don't know how much of a conscious decision it is. I mean, it is on some level, but I think it's all, I don't want to put words into the other coaches mouths, but I think it's how we enjoy coaching as a staff. I think it's, and personally for me, I, I like the idea that the athletes get to practice that as a habit for later on in their life, where when they walk into a, a job environment or their family environment or something later on, they like, I want them to feel like they can control the room with their attitude and their joy and everything else and not have to rely on somebody else to create that energy for them. Um, and I think if, you know, the younger an athlete practices that the more of a habit it becomes and they can take that into whatever their next steps are in life, professional, professional swimming, sports, business environment, family life, whatever. But it's a lot of fun when it's coming from them. Um, I think it's, it's more authentic for the team as a whole. And I think they benefit more from each other, like having that environment. I mean, we're we're a small coaching staff in comparison to the number of athletes that we have on a team so if if the athletes feel like they can own the room and bring that you know joy and love of swimming and diving to the pool deck then it's going to be a lot more successful environment than if we're you know if, if they're looking to the five of us or six of us you know whatever to bring that every day so
0: we're getting, we're getting that magic Tennessee pixie dust. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you should come back for some pancakes.
0: So I'm the, what is it called? The, not the rusty spoon, the spoon place, right? Uh, it's yeah. I'm trying to think of what that it, might be. Hold on. Maybe I'm confusing this with another place. It's um, it's in, it's in the neighborhood that Matt lives in. That's all I know.
1: Oh yeah. Um, no, we'll yeah, we'll get we'll get yeah, you come back, we'll get you pancakes over and, there.
0: Uh, that place <laughs> changed my life. <laughs> um, I can't remember the name, but it's yeah. I had a meal there and it was blew my mind. Plat um, <laughs> <That> Apron. <laughs> yes, the plaid <laughs> apron. Um, sorry, I get that in some other spoon place that I've been too confused. The plaid apron, life changing. It, listeners, yeah. if you're ever in Knoxville, Tennessee, gotta go <laughs> the plaid apron. Um, uh, <laughs> all right, so I'm I'm always I'm always up for pancakes in Tennessee. Let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about this season. What groups do you specifically work with on a day to day basis?
1: So that's a great question. I think. <laughs> the answer to that probably, um, shifts slightly every year, depending, um, really like we're in more of our hybrid coaching model, um, this year. And so at different points throughout the week, really get an opportunity to work with most athletes, um, probably a little bit more, uh, tending toward middle distance. Um, I am freestyle, backstroke, like kind of in those groups. But throughout the course of a week, you know, I'll I'll really work with most everybody, probably 90% of the athletes. And that's pretty true for the rest of the coaching staff as well. Um, I think the benefit to that is the athletes get different eyes on them. Um, I think the way we like to coach and talk and teach, get to know the athletes, um, Sometimes I can present a concept, and they might understand it on, you know, kind of one level, but Rich may see them the next day, have the same idea. Um, He's got a wonderful way of explaining things and teaching and it may click more um, the way that he explains it or the way that Matt or Josh or Rob explain it and so the athletes really benefit from maybe hearing a lot of the same messages um but in different ways i think it you know not every athlete learns the same and so i, th- I think it's nice to have those different perspectives viewpoints explanations yeah so <laughs> th- the answer is we <laughs> all kind of work with everybody at different times
0: <laughs> sure yeah i i feel like there, I've, I've talked to multiple staffs recently who, who kind of have that approach. And I mean, it makes sense when you, f- from the uh, perspective of, we get a lot of eyes on these kids and we can give them a lot of different feedback in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. Are there certain types of workouts that you will write the set for more often than not? Or is it just kind of everyone does everything?
1: Probably, I'm gonna say more toward middle distance and and some IM than anything else. But typically when we're writing a practice, we're also the coach that's administering it um, with some kind of few exceptions. Um, We've got some athletes that are ready, uh, that are gonna be heading home here shortly um, for meets. And so, you know more specific coaches are maybe writing those practices even if they're not going to be administering it just because they're like they're the ones kind of following them through this rest period and are going to be writing their practices while they're at home so we try to have some continuity and in, in cases like that but typically if we're writing the practice we're also the ones that are coaching that particular practice or that group
0: so mm. is, is would you say that's your favorite group to coach or sorry to write workouts for
1: oh man that's a that's a hard question just because i'm not sure there's a practice i don't or like a group that i don't enjoy writing for but i do enjoy the creativity that can kind of come from an athlete that i feel like swims i am um you can get super creative (laughs) so yeah i i yes i do really
0: enjoy that (laughs) nice i That, that does seem like uh, a lot of, a lot of room for creativity, which I feel like would be the most fun way to coach. Um, so, so you've been with Tennessee for 10 years now. Um, well, and really, you were a volunteer, were you a volunteer two years before that?
1: So um, my husband and I moved to Knoxville the first time in 2008, um, oh, the first really for grad
0: school. Uh Yeah.
1: And so um, I had an opportunity to work with the, this was when the two departments were split um, and the team was not combined. So I had an opportunity to work with the Lady Vols as a graduate assistant um, until 2010 and then had an opportunity to coach at UNLV and at Idaho. Um, And so I got an opportunity to come back in 2012 and so, yeah, kind of an interesting journey, but really, like, Knoxville is an awesome place to be.
0: Uh, totally unbiased. One of my favorite places to visit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I, I was surprised. Um, you know, I, I hang out with Mel Stewart, you know, Swim same co-founder every yeah. day who went to Tennessee, and he's like... Knoxville, you know, it's, it's fine. It's whatever. Um, And then the first time I went, was also the first time he had been back in quite a while. And we were both kind of like, okay, this place is pretty nice. (laughs) You know, it it surprised us, uh, both of us, I think.
1: It's it's changed a lot. And I, you know, I mean, I think it keeps kind of shifting and changing for the better. But even from the time that my husband and I were in grad school here, it's changed a lot. It's, it's, uh, it's a growing and vibrant city for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised, but it's uh, it, it makes sense that it would be growing because it is a pretty cool spot that is probably not on a lot of people's radars. Um, but enough on Knoxville. so So, yeah. your, <laughs> so your journey, you um, you went to the Air Force, you played water polo and swam. Tell me tell me about that because two sport athletes are not something we see a lot of these days.
1: So our, I swam for Casey Converse at the Air Force Academy and um, we, the water polo season, wasn't an intercollegiate sport there. It was a club sport. um, And Mm -hmm. our, our coach was actually, um, he agreed to coach the women's team because his daughter um, wanted to go to school at the Air Force Academy, but she was a water polo player um, and he was the division one men's coach. Um, And so to um, help his daughter uh, also play. Um, He started a women's club team in the spring. So it worked out, it worked out well. And Casey was um, Casey was open to those of us that wanted to play water polo in the spring um, to be able to do that. But so really grateful for that.
0: Had you played water polo in high school or before college?
1: I had just a little bit. Um, I wasn't very good.
0: (laughs) So what was, what was the uh, draw for you there?
1: Um, I'm incredibly competitive and (laughs) I, I've always also enjoyed ball sports and watching sports. So water polo seemed like a nice uh, mix of a ball sport and combining (laughs) swimming with it. So that's kind of how I found it in high school. And, uh, it was, it was nice to be able to continue that in college.
0: So what do you feel like you gained from being, or what do you feel like benefits were at the time even of being that two sport athlete or having, you know, not just having your life revolve around swimming? So um, just a.
1: I think the the uh, life for students and particularly student athletes at a service academy is um, kind of different. And like, it's different than maybe a normal college experience and really valuable um, in many ways. I think it allowed for one more opportunity for like connecting with teammates. I had a number of um, Swimming teammates that played water polo in the spring, and so it was just an opportunity to connect a little bit more with them. Um, I think that was particularly valuable, maybe freshman and sophomore years when um, feel like when you feel the weight of being an underclassman a little bit more um, than maybe at normal schools. And so to have that connection with some upperclassmen teammates, and then also, it's it's just one more opportunity to compete. I really love sports and so it 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 lent itself to having just more opportunities to play sports compete yeah
0: i'm i have to ask i'm curious now do you have competitive outlets currently um i do but i've i think i've gotten better
1: as i've gotten older um with having those competitions more within myself. So, (laughs) um, I enjoy running and things like that. So I will like, I'll kind of set my own goals and benchmarks. I think I do a healthier job of, uh, finding that outlet now than maybe what I did when I was younger, (laughs) as most of us do, as we get older. Right.
0: Gotcha. I thought you were going to say like underground kickboxing or, I don't know. I thought it was going to evolve into, into some like combat <laughs> sport or anyway, I don't know why I thought that, but yeah, running makes sense.
1: I I like where you're going with that. Uh, but I have two young, my husband and I have two young daughters and, and uh, so sometimes it's hard to find that time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> find the time to train in hand-to-hand yes. combat. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, So you went to the Air Force, um, you spent five years as an, uh, with the Air Force, um, Mm -hmm. and then you decided to go to grad school. Um, so I am, I am curious as to why you, what, what prompted the, okay, I want to go to grad school now.
1: Um, that's a great
0: question. So I, I knew
1: pretty early into my active duty career that I thought I wanted to coach, um, and so, but the two career fields are hard to match up. Um, so they're both very time-consuming um, and take a lot of effort. So kind of had to do that strategically. Uh, I was able to help um, some with a club team when I was still active duty, but it was it was fairly minimal. Um, but it was enough that. I knew that I wanted to coach. Um, Did you know that you
0: wanted to coach swimming particularly? Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I uh, started a master's degree when I was still in the Air Force. It just was, I was doing it at night and on the weekends. um, And it was a really good, it was a good program, I think, to get started with. But I ultimately wanted to go to a school where uh, the athletic department ties were really competitive. And where the, the academic programs, I wound up doing sport management at Tennessee, where there was a, a good tie between what we were learning in the classroom and also opportunities within an athletic department. And I think Tennessee does that really well
0: here. As you've made it sound, you know, sneaking that invite in on the football weekend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, so then, um, you, you get your graduate's degree, you have the opportunity to work at Tennessee as a volunteer, and then you spend a year in, at UNLV, a year in Idaho. Um, what do you feel like, what do you feel like followed, uh, followed you from UNLV in Idaho in terms of coaching experience?
1: I have been, I've been so blessed for to work with the coaches that I've worked with, um, especially the head coaches. Um, I worked for Jim Wrights at UNLV, and he's an amazing. Um, he was an amazing coach and an amazing human. Um, so it was, I think I learned an incredible amount from him and just how he just worked with athletes and how he recruited and um, I think all that did was just strengthen the things that I had previously learned working with Matt and then even in my own swimming career um, having swum for Casey and then um, moving to Idaho and working with Mark Soa um, who I'd known previously um, and he'd worked with Matt before. um, So a little bit more of a known entity, but just he's an incredible coach. And again, like just strengthening the idea of like the coach athlete relationship really being a partnership um, as opposed to a dictatorship. and, And just being open to the idea that as coaches, we're gonna learn probably as much from all the athletes that we work with and how they view things and how they feel things in the water as you know we'll learn as they'll learn from us. And so I think kind of taking those elements from the other two head coaches that I've worked worked for um, and with has been incredibly valuable and I feel really blessed to have had those opportunities.
0: Hearing you talk about both of them is, is, is really neat. Uh, It seems like they were pretty different experiences, but again, it seems like you gained a lot from each one. Um, And then you get to go back to Tennessee. Was, is that something that you had had in mind ever was going back to Tennessee or back to Knoxville?
1: When my husband and I left Knoxville in 2010, I mean, we, we kind of had it in our minds because we'd loved working here and, and living in Knoxville, um, that we would love the opportunity to come back. um, But we didn't know if or when that would, that opportunity would ever present itself. So we just had to kind of wait and see and, you know, take different opportunities as they came. But um, when the men's team and the women's team combined in 2012. Um, an opportunity opened up, and just really grateful to have had the chance to apply and and come back.
0: That's 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 pretty neat. Did so? Did he? Las Vegas, and then where is Idaho? Where is the University of La- Idaho?
1: Moscow, Idaho.
0: How big is that town, city thing? Not very big entity. OK,
1: it, it's a great it's a great little tiny college town. It's pretty close to your the next best, um, probably landmark for people that keep up with college sports is it's about eight miles from Washington State. So oh. eight miles from. So.
0: OK, so that's pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Um, so OK, so then then you go back to Knoxville. Um. Were were you just lifestyle wise? Were you happy in all those cities, or did you enjoy those those different locations and getting to getting to see new things from that perspective?
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, those are two really wonderful teams, and um, they were great groups of athletes and and great places to be.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So you make your return to Knoxville. You've been there for 10 seasons now. Um, do you, can you feel like you, I'm sorry, do you feel like you can put a gauge on the growth you've made as a coach personally, um, in the last 10 years, you know, do you remember where you were at when you came in having, having been a a full-time coach for, I guess, two years prior, um, up to up to now where you're pretty seasoned at this point.
1: I don't feel like I know nearly as much as I want to know. so I feel like I've got a long way to go still but yes I think I've I think I've learned a lot and I'm really um, yeah, I, I think I've learned a lot but there's there's a lot more to go.
0: <laughs> uh, is, is there something you feel like you have learned? that really sticks out or it, something that uh, you've made an effort to learn throughout your now decade at Tennessee?
1: Um, there's so much, I'm not sure I could, like, I'm not sure I could actually kind of drill it I don't know what direction to take, like be it technical or be it just kind of a little bit more um, broad reaching, but I think maybe the most applicable would be just the idea of um, working with a really, I I think working with athletes that are in college um, and then even like right after their collegiate careers. It's a really special age group to work with. And they are, like, they change so much. Athletes change so much from the time that they graduate from high school, they go off to college, they start that career, uh, that collegiate career. And they're both preparing for who they're going to be once their collegiate careers are done. And they're preparing for just, they're also trying to learn like who they are, um, who they wanna be. And it, there's just a lot that's happening during that time. And I think uh, for myself learning to be really, continually learning to be patient in that process and um, and more guiding instead of um, trying to pull along if that makes sense, like just, Really enjoying working with like 18 to 22, 24 year old athletes, and like really kind of helping them um, in that process. I-, I feel like that's maybe aside from some technical stuff, like maybe where I've made the most gains, and probably still have even more to learn.
0: That's a that's a great answer. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> And one, I feel like a lot of the really great coaches I talk to are really coaches that come across as wise to me. That's something I think they put a lot of emphasis on. Um, What are some of the technical things you feel like you've learned or improved at the most? Um,
1: We've been really blessed here to have um, some great... uh, Matt is really forward thinking and always wants to bring in new ideas and get better at things. And so I think those of us that have been, um, that get to work with him, we get the benefit of that. And just new ideas aren't um, scary things here, they're really exciting. And so some of the coaches and consultants and things like that that we've um, come across over the years and that have touched our program, I've learned an incredible amount from and and maybe um, over the last, Bill Boomer was one of our volunteer assistants um, when I came back to Tennessee in 2012. And I think his way of thinking about swimming, um, like was kind of eye-opening for me and I felt like I was drinking from a fire hose um, pretty much every conversation I had with him, Um, you know, even after, you know, years of getting to have conversations with him. Um, But thinking about swimming from a body position standpoint and um, just where the strokes can and should originate from um, is... I don't know that was probably one of the biggest things um and and still things to improve upon
0: i was uh swimming this morning at like a a y the ymca that i swim laps at i swim like 1500 and like that's all that I think about is when I swim now is body position, because if I think about anything else, I get bored and I start to hate it. <laughs> so. um, but I think for me as a, as a coach and as a swim, swimmer and swim fan, like that's how I've molded my mind to think about swimming now is, is from like where your body is in the water and how everything else you're doing is affecting that. I feel like that's helped me a lot, so I think that's that's a really great point to bring up. Um, I have to ask about the Tennessee top arm. You guys are famous for the for the backstroke top arm breakout, right? <laughs> Were was was that already a thing that Matt was thinking about, developing, working on? Was Matt even the originator of this idea, or is this does this come from someone else? Um, when you got there,
1: you know, I, uh, my historical reference points I think are pretty close on this, but if I'm mistaken in any way, I, I I apologize. I know Boomer was working. Boomer started playing with it. Um, and I remember one of the practices where I think it kind of started to come about, um, and we just sort of ran with it. Um, so I I would say that it was more of a collaborative effort in terms of the, like, origination of it. And it, you know, came from multiple places. There were athletes involved in it um, and Boomer and all with the idea of just maintaining speed. And so, and you know, just the idea of, all right, well, this may work really well for some people. Um, and let's, let's play with this idea. And, um, over the years, we've had opportunities to test it in different ways. And I think some athletes have really, um, latched onto it and I think it's been really helpful for their performances. Um, and they've really liked it. So it, it's, a uh, it, it's fun. It's, it's different. Um, and I think it works really well for really well for some people.
0: I, I brought that (laughs) up because, you know, a week or two ago, I'm watching Kira Toussaint, you know, in the skin, in the 50 backstroke skins races in ISL. And it's like, oh yeah, (laughs) Like, like that's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's something that stands out so much if you're watching a race, um, especially from a technical standpoint. And, you know, something that is, is very points directly to the Tennessee program, right? Well,
1: Kira, what Kira came in, um, again, my historical reference points gets a little, like, she came in a couple years after we started playing with that. And, and then she really embraced it. She, she's done an incredible job of making that probably even better than what we originally um, thought, and all from her willingness to, be open-minded and to play with it so (laughs)
0: that's that's pretty cool and you know to to see the evolution of that and then to see her still doing it now when she's you know breaking national records world records left and right it's pretty cool she's she's doing great (laughs) um so tennessee has a pretty rich tradition of post grads right of um, swimmers sticking around with, with your program or, or just continuing their careers elsewhere. Um, and kind of similarly to you know, these COVID fifth years who are choosing to stay, um, what do you feel like they bring just to the Tennessee environment, to the pool deck, um, when, when they're stepping on deck, especially someone like Molly Hannis who I think helps, helps out. In, in a myriad of ways. Um, can you just talk about um, what some of these postgrads have brought to the program?
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously they're all incredibly accomplished athletes. And I think with that comes, um, aside from just their skills, their willingness to learn and develop new skills. And they are, I mean, every single one of them is really curious. And, and that curiosity lends itself to being willing to try new things and play with a new idea. And um, it, I mean, Molly, Molly's an incredible example of that. Um, she's so joyful and I'm not sure we have had a more playful athlete um she's (laughs) she's always willing to play with something and just especially if there's going to be more speed involved and so i remember a funny we were we had a practice and we were racing some 100 ims and um i mean she was she was as competitive with everybody in the pool men included um to try to win that and it like it was just awesome she's so Playful and competitive. Um, But I I think that idea, they they all love to swim. They don't have to swim. Um, They would all be incredibly um, successful and are incredibly successful in their lives outside the pool. But they choose to. And so just that alone, I think, brings a lot to the pool deck. And it's a great model for what's going to be possible when that freshman walks onto the pool deck, I think just the playfulness and the really the professionalism and kind of love of swimming that our postgrads and pros bring to the pool deck is, I mean, it's incredibly valuable for the college team and, and really just anyone that walks under our building that wants to swim. I mean, I think it's inspiring even for the master swimmers, right? Like the, it's great.
0: <laughs> I, I love that concept. I didn't even know there was master swimmers in Knoxville, but it makes sense. Uh, I, I think it's so great that there's pretty much master swimming, swimming everywhere. Uh, <laughs> that it, yeah, warms my heart that people of all ages still want to swim and still have that drive. And to see someone who's not the traditional age of, you know, your normal high level athlete is inspiring it's like oh well they can do it maybe i can too. yeah
1: you're inspiring people all over with your with your morning swims
0: yeah (laughs) i i don't you're talking about me personally because i don't think so about that (laughs) i'm sure you do (laughs)
1: uh
0: i anyway (laughs) um well, Ashley, I I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat. It's 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 been great catching up. Um, do we miss anything? Is there is there anything that uh, is there any more magic Tennessee pixie dust that you have to sprinkle on our audience?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. I thank you so much for the opportunity and and really. I think you just need to come back to Knoxville and and we'll find you some pancakes, either at Flat Apron or, or someplace else.
0: <laughs> That's the solution to all, all of our problems this year, coming yes. back to Knoxville. Yep. <laughs> You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.